This is episode number 51 with Mo Hagen, the founder of Women Who Influence. Welcome to the Herpreneur Wellness Show. I am your host, Annette Lackovich. Join me as I bring you some of the most cutting edge and coolest people on the planet to help you live a bigger, more fuller life as a female entrepreneur. More health, more wealth, more happiness as you continue to grow your extraordinary business and an extraordinary life. Let's do it. Have to say, the reviews we had from the last episode on intermittent fasting was hands down the most reviews I've ever had. I can tell what you ladies are gravitating to. Uh, Thank you so much. I do want to give a special thanks to Hamanchi, Dia, Simone, uh, Georgina, Tiana, and Daniel Louise, all for reaching out and uh, commenting on the show, and also having a couple of you take up the offer on asking me questions on private messenger. So, look, that could have turned into God knows how painful. But do you know what? It was amazing. I had a few of you actually contact me and I'm going to go over the three questions that were most consistent. The first one was about coffee. Uh, Can I drink coffee while I'm doing the intermittent fasting? The short answer is yes. The full answer is that as long as you stay under a 50 calorie constriction in that time, that should keep you in intermittent fasting. But remember, if you're eating something, then your digestion's going to go, it's going to kick in, and then you're going out of that rest period. So true autophagy happens when your body, your cells are in that repair mode. If you do have coffee, keep it black, uh, not adding milk or anything like that. Though if you need to have that dash of milk, even go for like a coconut or an almond milk. I'm not a coffee drinker, so for me, it's fine. I'm just sipping on my uh, mineral water all day, and that's totally fine for me. And the second most common question that came through that was asked was about the eating window. The best eating window is around eight hours. All right, so it's a 16-hour fast and an eight-hour time-restricted eating, meaning if you start eating at 9 o'clock, you have till 5 o'clock in the afternoon to actually eat. Again, if you can do two meals in that time, then you know that really you are what we call a fat burner or what we call metabolically flexible. Your body is using fat for fuel and not sugar. So it takes a while. And as I said, intermittent fasting, this is a lifestyle. This is not something that you expect to do short term like a diet. It's something that is amazing for your health and the benefits also are that you get to burn fat for fuel so give yourself the grace period do not expect just to jump in and be able to do a 16 18 hour eating window as i said do the 12 hours first and the second thing is to take your snacks out if you are snacking three times a day and you're eating three meals a day then you're eating six times a day the first thing is get rid of the snacks and learn just to have those three square meals a day so then you start to shrink those those meals into a you know, to a smaller window, then you can start to become more metabolically flexible. So remember to give yourself grace about that. Now onto the interview with a woman who is changing the world in leaps and bounds, someone who needs no introduction if you're in the fitness industry. And I'm talking about Mo Hagen, also known as Maureen Hagen, as her mum would have called her. <laughs> 
She's a licensed physiotherapist, a physical educator uh, with a Bachelor of PE. She's the Vice President of Operations for Good Life Health Club. Six years ago, Mo had a call-in where she wanted to create an event to help create more leaders within the fitness industry. She launched her very first event with a lot of pushback, people telling her that she can't do it, couldn't do it. And over the years, it has doubled and doubled and now is the largest event of its kind. This event today has been replicated all over the world. Australia was actually one of the first ones to adopt it. There's a few changes in the words like women of influence or women who influence, but it all started from Mo. You're going to hear about the amazing story today. Then we go into a beautiful twist into what we are both passionate about, which is health, fitness, and keeping you the best version of yourself. I know you're going to love this interview. It's incredible. She's incredible. We love you, Mo. Let me introduce you to Mo Hagen. Mo Hagen is from Canada. You would have heard her incredible bio I've just read out. It is about seven o'clock at night over there. It's seven o'clock in the morning here in Australia. And I am so, so keen to share this interview with you. Big welcome, Mo. Welcome to the Herpreneur Wellness Show. Thank you. It's so amazing to be with you, Annette, with all of your listeners. Oh, look, we can go so far and so wide in this interview today. I noticed we with you now, everything you do is to do with people uplifting, people empowering women, especially. Can we start with the pathway of the women of influence and what is that and what actually kicked that off? And then I sort of want to dance around everywhere else, but I really love just to zone in with that women of influence event. What is it? What made you passionate about really helping women? Great. Well, thank you for asking. It's a real passion of mine. I, um, for at least a decade, I, I, maybe I will back up by starting to say one of the things that I'm blessed to do every day is to help curate curriculum and fitness conferences that actually help educate fitness professionals in all areas, whether it's frontline fitness instruction, personal training, or management and leadership levels because I am a leader in the fitness industry and been blessed to work with a lot of passionate men and women. My boss is actually a woman, and I've been very grateful to be around such incredible, powerful leaders that are females. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, out in the fitness industry, I realized that I was in an environment that was unique. There wasn't the same level of C-level, C-class-level leaders that are women in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought to myself, if I could help share what I've learned as a female leader in the industry, and I could create a platform for the women who helped me by giving them a platform to speak and share their stories of who they are and how they became what they are today, it would serve really a couple purposes. Number one, an opportunity for me to recognize them in front of their peers. Number two, to share stories, to lift other women up, to believe in themselves and to shoot for, you know, stretch goals to become leaders in higher positions, which I knew for to be true. Many of my friends wanted to achieve. They just didn't know how. And then finally, creating a safe space for women to come together, to network, to hear their stories, share their stories and learn from the best. And that's what really curated women who influence here in Canada. And I started it six years ago after four years of being told it, you can't do it. You shouldn't do it. 
it won't work. You know, it's a male strong industry. People will have issues with it. You know, you can't, you basically don't give it a try. And who was that? Where was that feedback coming from? Was it from more men? Was it coming from women? Like where was the pushback coming from? Do you think? Uh, Primarily males in the industry that I work with, that Mm -hmm. I shared my ideas with, who had roles within the company I work for that um, oversaw some of the events. So they did have a decision in where some of the money was going to be spent Mm -hmm. towards these such special events. So I had to convince this particular person um, that I really believe this would move us forward to bring more women into the leadership um, realm within the industry. But it also came from women who uh, challenged me to say, you know, why do you believe that this will work? And, you know, is it something that you really think will be successful? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really didn't question that, but I have to be honest and say that whether I, I didn't question why I wanted to do it, what I questioned was my belief in what I wanted to do, because I was told by so many that, you know, be careful, you shouldn't do it. There's too much work. It won't work, et cetera, et cetera. And that's when my fuel gets, you know, built. <laughs> like that's when my fire starts to ignite. Yeah. And it was a significant person in my life that is a female. I love to always recognize Helen Vandenberg, who is my dear friend in the fitness industry, my mentor in sports. Before I even met her in the fitness industry, I admired her from afar as an athlete. But she said to me, Mo, stop talking about it and just do it. And that's what gave me the chutzpah to actually do it. And the first year, like people said, it had a, it had quite a low attendance. Mm-hmm. And then every year it has doubled in size to now an event that's the largest of its kind in the fitness industry with over 300 attendees at our last year's event. Wow. And that is five years in. <laughs> yeah. And here's what I love. Here's what I love to share is in the audience, the women who were there have changed roles you know, fired themselves from positions in their own, in places they work to get a seek other things out. But what I'm really proud of is there are women who represent other organizations in the fitness industry that took the idea back to their country, such as Australia, mm-hmm. and created at their annual fitness conference, Women of Influence, that started four years ago there as a result of what they experienced in Canada when we had one of the members of the event team attend Women Who Influence. So I'm really proud of the fact that it's now in Australia, China, um, the United States, of course, has morphed an event similar to it. Mm -hmm. And as well, um, Thailand just started something last year as a result. And And these are countries that never had women on the stage before. And is this all connected? Is it under the one banner or is it everybody um, has their own district, own area and runs their own show? Or is it something that's a licensed event? Well, my my husband would have um, liked it if I licensed out the event. But no, (laughs) I I share the event just with uh, humbleness that people saw the value and took it back to their countries. Um, so in Australia, they call it women of influence, whereas in Canada, it's women who influence. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason I called it that it had a little bit more 
action orientation to it. Like Mm -hmm. people who are taking action and are continually moving themselves and their, their business forward or their networks or their industry forward. Um, and then I've been involved in the country such as China, Bangkok to help bring the event there with the promise that they could take it forward. So I gifted the idea and they're all calling it women of influence, but there's no license. It's free for and, people to use. And, and as do they you like. know what, Mo? It's, it's, I noticed the difference, the way that uh, a woman steps into a company or even a business, small or large, there is a different way that we serve. And the question I asked about the, is it a licensed model or is it something like a franchise? If you think that's more of, you know, a masculine business model that has come through, uh, you know, the times where Mm -hmm. the way that you actually said it at the start of what it was about was helping women. And I know with our pre-chat before we even got onto the interview, I hear this is what your calling is. Part of your calling is here to serve, to really lift women. And I think that even there was the universal test, and I always talk about this because I am one that is a lover of creating events and getting them out there, and I always talk to my clients about before the event goes, <laughs> there's always the universal test, and it's it's asking you, how bad do you want this, right? <laughs> what is it you're meant to learn just before this event? And your event, coincidentally, is women who influence and you had to influence your butt off <laughs> to get that event up and running and then continually push through that startup phase that many of the listeners understand with a business. It's the same with getting a product out there. There's always that startup phase that if you're doing something new and it's a brand new concept, we need to go in and re-educate people with what our brilliant message is. And sometimes it takes a while for people to have that adjustment. And I feel like that's where that woman of influence has just really tested you, tested that that the the audience, and be able to help you push that along. Um, so I think that's um, it's a really interesting alignment. And I think when things, you know, when it's not in alignment, if it wasn't the calling. As soon as somebody said no and you believed it. But what happened was when you were getting told no, it made you dig your heels in more because you knew how much you wanted it. So I actually feel that that's, we know we're out of alignment sometimes when someone takes our, points our compass the other way and all we want to do is just straighten it back up. And that's that feeling of uneasiness. So everything is definitely speaking to you and calling you to say, get it out there. And I've got an event this year and it's exactly the fear. But one thing that's resonating with me is something that your friend said, which is just quit talking about it and just do it. And I'm holding my feet to the fire at the moment. We've um, started to get invitations out. I've made an announcement to the podcast um, audience as well. So that's me just going, just quit talking about it and just do it. (laughs) I love it. And you, and that you said something there that is absolutely critical. You know, we know about goal setting, we know about smart goals, but the difference between those who work through that smart goal, you know, even writing it down 
is powerful, but what's more powerful, and that's what you've done, is you put it out to universe, not only with yourself and your intentions, you create the plan, but you told somebody you're taking action and you're reporting your progress along the way. And those who do that, you know, you can't go back, you know, you can't go back. And it's, it's that intention to actually be the role model that you help others become. So the one thing I did was I told Helen, she held me to task on it. And then I reported progress to the like-minded connection of my network. Mm-hmm. I brought women in. And that was one of the things, because you, you said it, I was sitting here nodding my head, putting you know my feet to the fire. It's one thing to take action, put your feet to the fire and just grind. But it's another thing to bring like-minded people together to support you because there are going to be days you want to quit and days you think, is this worth it? And days you think, or you say to yourself, you know, why am I doing this? But as long as this is my mantra, as long as everybody on your team or those that are around you that support you, don't all quit on the same day or quit (laughs) on the vision at the same time, you're good because someone's going to lift the other person up and it's going to keep you moving forward. And that's what I've done because as the event's gone on now in its sixth year, you think it gets easier. It actually doesn't. It just gets more fun because it's growing and you're impacting more people. But over the years, I've had to invite and share the control of how this event is growing with a committee of women. And well, it's sometimes just easier to keep it all within a very tight rein. It's been so rewarding to share my event and this event with more passionate women. Mm-hmm. And that is not only making it easier, but it's making it more rewarding and we're reaching more people as a result. So that was the thread that started day one. Every woman said the same thing. It's about connection. Mo connected me to mm-hmm. this I have the opportunity to connect with you, to share what it is that, you know, it helped me. And then you can all go out and share and connect with others. So that theme that builds, I think builds all our businesses is the power of your why, the power of knowing what drives your success. So knowing about you from the deep emotional level and then working with like-minded people. Mm. Well, look, I'd like to just throw a segue in right now about the gift that you've got. Um, and then I'd like to go a bit more into your advice for women really climbing up the ranks. But I think it's a really good time just to pause because you have a gift today for the audience. It's really about helping them point their compass in their true north. Can you share a bit more about your gift today about what drives them? Yes. So one of the tools that I use when I coach women individually and when I lecture in groups is um, tapping into what drives people in their performance, whether that's physically, emotionally, uh, career-wise, et cetera, is tapping into the area of their brain that drives those chemicals that help them reach that, I call it that runner's high, that energy that you feel like you can just keep doing it and you don't get tired. Mm. And that's tapping into an area of the brain that drives the the chemicals like adrenaline. And when you tap into the motives, um, human beings, you know, animals and humans alike have um, physiological motives. You know, we call it fight and flight. When there's danger, we run. But what's unique with human beings is we have social motives. And while there are many, 
30-something social motives that drive performance, the three most common ones are achievement, affiliation, and power. And those three, if you tap into what primarily drives you, even though you'll have a, a blend of all three, and you can understand that through just a few self-assessment questions, mm-hmm. you can actually learn about why it is that when you want to make stuff happen, that you will actually connect with people primarily. Or if you really want to strive to achieve something, you'll set lofty stretch goals that for some would be impossible to achieve, but for you, it turns you on. Or lastly, if it's something you want to strive to achieve, you'll, you'll set yourself up to reach a goal that will help you earn a new position in your company, a new title, or achieve a, uh, an award of some sort. So once you understand that, and that's what my self-assessment will do, is through asking just eight brief questions by ask, answering A, B, or C, you can actually tap into what is that primary motive for you. And then the article that supports the self-assessment, what drives you to succeed, uh, that will give you insight on what those three social motives are about. And that is self-assessment and that article is available on my website, mohagan.com. Beautiful. And what we'll do is we've got the links like straight to the actual um, quiz that you can do. So if you go to annettelakovich.com forward slash mo or mohagan.com, um, we'll have the links there, but annettelakovich.com forward slash mo, M-O, and everything that you hear today, anything that Mo mentions, we'll also have the links there on that page. If you listen to iTunes, you can actually easily just scroll down and actually click that link and that takes you through. Um, Mo, what's made you so passionate about just lifting people up. I was saying that, you know, the fitness industry, I realized, has such a profession with with really connecting with people. And I didn't realize that until I stepped into the corporate world. And I thought, wow, like it's so different here. <laughs> what drives you? What really drives you to make the difference that you're doing? It's my innate passion to help others through leading and teaching them what it is that is in their best purpose or in their, in their, um, true purpose. So, you know, the, I'm, I'm actually by nature, a leader, I'm a twin. So when you're born with a sibling and you come into this world at the same time, yeah. And I came into this world first born premature told by my doctor, apparently, although my mother said I didn't listen, which was quite common as a kid too, but I was told I'd be the small, frail, sickly one. And, you know, I naturally, you know, I strive to actually catch up. And because my innate nature is to strive to win, to gain, to, you know, learn, I just honestly find that when I can help people learn how to be the best version of themselves and I can lead them. And that is be a teacher, be a leader, be out front, showing them the way, be the risk taker to walk the uncharted path. I, I love that. I'm a natural adventurer. And those are the things I learned early in life because of the challenge that I started with. You know, my mother always said that I had to strive to catch Mm -hmm. up in my first five years in school, I always, I actually needed a tutor 
I was held back because I was a apparently a poor student. <laughs> what they didn't know was my passion wasn't sitting my butt in a chair learning the traditional way. My <laughs> passion was learning. <laughs> yeah, learning by doing. And when I got into a phys ed class, that's when I found my calling to actually lead by moving people. And now I use it philosophically, moving people forward in the direction of their true purpose, because that's my natural passion and it's my natural DNA to, to lead others. Mm. And that's what lifts me up to live that. That's what makes my cells of my body vibrate at a high level. You know, we hear about cellular vibration. Yes, I get a natural buzz off of helping people. And sometimes that's by helping people take risky moves, you know, where they're afraid to do it, but I'll hold their hand. Mm -hmm. I'll help do it with them. That's through the coaching I do, but I do it every day. And that's why I ended up teaching group fitness, which I started 40 years ago and I still teach group fitness today. That's my fuel. That's my therapy because I watch women and men actually become better versions of themselves after every single class yeah. they come to. It's and that's what the, drives me yeah. to exist. The the feeling of teaching, uh, it's just just to move people. And this is the calling that I'm feeling again is just, and cause I stepped out of teaching aerobics, um, seven years ago, it's group fitness these days, isn't it? But that's how long ago when I actually started and I stopped seven years ago and it was because I just continually got these little injuries and I started to become unreliable and I was continually getting classes covers. And I thought, you know what, like it's just not working. And I'm feeling that calling again because, you know, I will, I'll attend classes, Mo, and I will, I just itch. I just want to get up the front. <laughs> just get up the front and just lead them and just ignite that exactly. classroom. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm nursing an injury at the moment um, and have been for a while, but I've still got that vision where I'm going to be back out there and I just can't wait just to, just that feeling is just so invigorating. I, I would love your piece of advice for, for women that really want to keep fit. They really want to keep healthy. And this is, this. I feel like, as I said, my calling these days is to move women and to help them really step into that next best version of themselves. And I know that health and wellness is the way. I know it deep down. Like it's in every cell of my body. And the event that I'm bringing out is to do that and to give that that feeling across to those that are stuck or feel guilty around, you know, putting their work before their exercise or before their health or mothers mm. that are putting their kids before them themselves uh, feel like it's selfish if, you know, if they're putting themselves first. What would be your advice to the women out there that do struggle with the guilt or still feel selfish and don't put health or wellness at the top of their priority list? Well, the first thing I would say is uh, we need to learn how to, the power and the importance of self-care. And I use this analogy, which is also one of my greatest tips, is before you can help serve others or help others, you need to take care of yourself. And we hear it every time we get on a plane Mm -hmm. that... If there's a challenge and, you know, we need oxygen to support ourselves, our life, if there is a 
decompression in the chamber on the on the flight it's important you put your own oxygen mask on first so you can help your family you can help others around you and we listen to that and we say yeah that makes sense but when it comes to our own self-care especially as women we are nurturers by nature and we tend to feel guilty or selfish that we have to help others and therefore when time runs out which it will all run out if we don't actually manage time We'll forget about our needs until one day we wake up and we get that shocking news, either from someone in the family or about ourselves, that something about our health is going to put us at risk Mm -hmm. for not having the quality or longevity that we desire. And when we hear the terrible news, I come from the medical world as a licensed physiotherapist. I worked in intensive care. I saw that. (laughs) Yeah. And I worked in an environment where I learned lessons very early in life, especially for men and women who were entering that time of life around retirement where they, you know, they're in their forties and fifties or sixties and they have a sudden health event. And that's when they all said the same thing. Mm -hmm. I wish I took care of myself earlier in life. I wish I listened to what my friend said, mother said, the advice of health professionals that I need to exercise, move my body, keep my blood pressure down. It's easy to say, oh yeah, I'm going to do it because I need to for you know my health. It's another thing to do it. So I guess the first thing I'll say is that we need to understand that we have to put on our own oxygen mask first. That means we need to do self-care in order to be available to care and help others that we want to help in our daily life have the energy to be a parent these days, as well as to work full time. Energy alone is the number one thing that everybody wants. They may join the gym to lose weight, to get in better shape. But at the end of it, they all say, I exercise because it gives me the energy to do the things I love to do with the passionate personality that I want to portray. They're not grumpy at the end of the day. They're not falling asleep when they're on a date with their significant other. Mm -hmm. They have the energy to live the good life, as I would say. Secondly, tap into what motivates you. And this is where the figure out what drives your success, because the studies around these social motives I spoke about earlier actually were curated by studying behavior, behavioral change amongst exercisers and helping people understand that if getting on a spin bike with other people around you in the room motivates you to show up three to five times a week, then get your butt in a group fitness class. Otherwise there's people who say, Oh, that would not motivate me. Like my twin sister, she likes to go work out on her own. Mm -hmm. So the people who like to work out on their own, I would strongly advise that you invest in speaking with a health or fitness professional or a personal trainer to find out what you really have been successful at in the past, what you really want and what you really need. And it's hard to know the difference between what you want and need unless you have somebody that is a health professional that can help dissect that from your health history and from your needs and goals. So just like anything we would buy, we want to get some advice on how to buy what we really want and what we really need. So investing a little time and even money will save women from wasting time, which is what they worry about, and get to the heart of the matter to figure out what it is they can do. And the key with all of this advice is it's not how much you do, what you do, 
how long you do it, it's consistency in doing it enough times a week to accumulate 150 minutes minimum of physical movement that gets your heart rate up and gets you sweating and moves your muscles. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. But if you customize it to fit into your life, then, and you be consistent in doing it, the rewards will last you a lifetime. Yeah. And you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's the drug that you don't need to take to stop depression, to stop mental illness. Like it has such a ripple effect. And when you're saying before that you hear these stories about people getting the news from, let's just say it might be their doctor saying, you've got type two diabetes, you've got, um, uh, uh, thyroid issues, your hormones are depleted. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. This happens over a course of time. You don't just wake up one morning and suddenly have diabetes. So the other thing I would say is if, if you get your bloods checked and go to a, a integrative medicine doctor that's here in Australia or a functional medicine doctor if you're listening over in Canada, because they look at your blood at an optimal level where you should be. Where if you go to your normal GP, your normal doctor, they're checking your bloods against 100% of the average person in your country. And there's things that we're managing at the moment with mine, which is thyroid. Those show up of thyroid antibodies uh, about a year and a half ago. And now they're completely gone because I've taken gluten out, managed the sugar. Um, the th- thyroid, those thyroid antibodies are precursors for type 2 diabetes. So these things, are sh- you, you don't have to wait, like you're saying, where it's like, oh, oh, it's too late. It's taking care of these things externally with the physical and the movement and internally getting your bloods checked and looking at what's going on with your diet is all making you be that best version of yourself. And my one thing that came to mind with what you said was at the end of the day, you know, how are you still showing up? And I think for any of the mothers listening or just you know, even if you're not a mother and you're there and you're working away with your business and sometimes your stress levels are high, what you don't want to give people is a diluted version of you. And I feel like when you exercise and when you're doing this for you, you're actually giving the most sexiest, uh, most attractive energy And I'm not talking attractiveness externally on how you look. It's the energy that you exude to someone. It's not that diluted version of you that you're giving to your partner or to your child and to yourself. So um, I just wanted to ask that question because we don't get many health and wellness experts specifically around exercise on the show. And I just love to hear that. And I loved hearing your answer. I'm going to finish the interview with this question. Are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) The question is this, what is the one thing, I know it's going to be hard for you to choose, (laughs) what is the one thing that you do on a daily basis that makes you the happiest version of yourself, that lifts your vibration so high, that makes you the happiest version that you can possibly be? What would it be, Mo? No surprise, it is movement. (laughs) And I will be specific and say, and this may be a surprise, it doesn't have to be formal exercise, but I do not 
finish a day having not moved my body enough to reap the benefits for pure joy and happiness. Because when I move, everything moves with me. And that's what drives and helps me maintain my high energy, peak attitude, my positivity, optimism, risk, everything that is my pure character traits of a leader ride high when I move my body. But here is the secret sauce. And I will admit, I cannot do it every day due to the some of the therapy I am doing right now for an injury as well. We have a lot in common in that. I also have a thyroid issue. I work with an integrative uh, functional medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much, so many things that I too have learned that I, you don't have to go hard. You don't have to work high intensity. You just yes. need to move your body enough to feel good and to find that joy. I do it in the mornings every day I can. And I cannot get past noon without having moved, exercised in a certain way or taught a fitness class because that's how I show up for the majority of my day in my best way. And it is by moving my body and as little as 10 minutes, even some days I just jump up and down in place, shake my hands overhead. I say positive affirmations out loud and I pose and I'm not kidding. I flex my muscles like Arnold. That's my strong pose. Ah, yes. That helps tone my upper body and arms because when women see tone in their upper body, it actually increases their self-confidence by an enormous amount. I put my hands on my hips and I look like Wonder Woman with that strong, confident stance. And then lastly, I lift my arms overhead like the victory pose when you run through the finish line. And those are the three poses I put in every morning, whether I'm standing in the bathroom, jumping up and down, working out in the gym on elliptical. And some days I just stand up at my office before I walk into a meeting that I know is going to be tough and I got to show up in my best mo. I jump up and down for two minutes and I move my cells, I move my attitude and I am on my way. And finish with a victory pose. (laughs) That you know, is it. Two pose, like you're saying, like that double bicep, that, you know, showing your guns off, Arnold pose. Posing, I did bodybuilding many, many, many years ago. My gosh, it was in my teens. And it is hard to hold a pose. It is, your muscles oh, yeah. are working. It's a, it's a proper contraction there. So um, that's so interesting. I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> I want to ask well, you, there you go. what what is your favorite thing to do when exercising? Injury free when you can mine's just dancing. Oh gosh, just give me the music and let me mm. go. Um and they say, you know, dance like nobody's watching, but I dance better Mo, when people are. <laughs> what's the one thing what's the one thing that you do you would love to do when you're totally injury free and you're just like your body's just functioning at its highest? What's your most favorite way to exercise? I run. I run and I can run run short. Oh, I'm a runner. Mm. I've been a runner since the day that I learned to walk, according to my mother. I'm, you know, I was always running towards something, not away from something, even though most people thought I was just running away from having to sit my butt anywhere. But I love to run. And here's why it is therapeutic for my brain, my mind, and it moves my body. And it's very much a forward action. And that teaches me in life that when I struggle, all I have to say to myself is this is kilometer 13. This is kilometer 
17 or 36. And those are always my (laughs) kilometers in a half marathon that I struggle and I love overcoming struggles. So I run and I've been injured with a hip injury, but I'm back to running. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, I, I, I I can honestly say, I feel like I found myself again. I totally resonate with that because at the moment I've got a hip problem and yeah, there's not much you can do at the moment. This, I can swim with my upper body. That's all. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And I just, oh gosh, I'm doing everything just so I can. And the one thing is I actually say to my son, I, I can't wait to run again. Not that I'm a runner. If I can go between five mm-hmm. and seven Ks, like that is like, that's my marathon. <laughs> so, when hey, you started pulling numbers out like 16, 17 kilometers, I'm like, wow, you can run. Go forest, go. <laughs> I can, but you know, now my new, my new running is actually, my goal is to run a 10 K this spring. Cause I've also had a hip injury for the last two years. So my goal is 10 and I am just happy and grateful to be able to get outside yes. and run, whether it's 15 minutes or whether it's my now, yeah. you know, 45 to 55, 10 K, it doesn't matter. I, as long as I have the freedom to move one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. and, and see the world and be able to clear my mind and make, I, I can change the world in my mind. And it gives me the confidence when I'm out running, when those endorphins are high. And that's why I typically run. And then I go home. And as soon as I get in the door, I write down what I was thinking about so that I'll come back to it. And somehow, some way it shapes into something that I do in the future. Yeah. I love it. Mo, thank you so much for sharing your message, your expertise just everything that you do out in the world and really helping women climb up the ranks, no matter where they are in businesses, in company, just to be able to really show their importance in the world and to be able to influence. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Herpreneur Wellness Show. My absolute pleasure. You're listening to the Herpreneur Wellness Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought, or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you are the happiest person that you know. I'm out.